podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We have a very interesting topic today, which I'm sure many of you will be interested in. The title of our podcast today is International Opportunities in Distance Learning. And with us, we're very lucky to have Heather Rank, who is with the U.S. Commercial Service, stationed in Fargo. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Heather has obtained her master's degree in peace and justice studies from the University of San Diego. How is school in University of San Diego? Wonderful climate, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And her undergraduate degree is in international business from George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Heather actually covers the North Dakota area as an international trade specialist for the U.S. Commercial Service. She serves also as the Distance Education Specialist for the U.S. Commercial Service and U.S. Department of Commerce, and it must be a very exciting time to work for that organization. It is. Our trade is booming, and international education opportunities are growing, too. That's wonderful. I'm sure the audience would like to get a little better description. Government can be very big. Could you describe what the U.S. Commercial Service education team is and what your roles and responsibilities are, as well as the team's roles? Okay. Well, usually I open by saying we're from the government and we're here to help. (laughs) Great. (laughs) But we really mean it. We believe that. We do believe that. The U.S. Commercial Service is an export assistance agency of the U.S. Department of Commerce. International Trade Administration. So we help companies export products and we also help educational institutions to recruit international students into their programs. Mm -hmm. We actually, in all of the embassies around the world, there is a commercial section and those people are tasked with helping U.S. institutions find markets in those countries. I cover the state of North Dakota. We also have a domestic network. So every college or university in the U.S. would have a local specialist that they could work with to identify the countries with the best opportunities, to find actual people to help them. We're literally one email or phone call away from direct assistance for any company or school in the U.S. What a great resource. It is. A lot of people aren't aware that this is available, and a lot of the assistance is free or very low cost. The education team is a group of people who are specially focused on education, who want to help recruit international students into U.S. Mm -hmm. schools. So uh, I'm an active member of that team, and we have a very active range of activities to support U.S. education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'm sure people in the audience are thinking, well, is this something that I should even be thinking about or considering? Why would a school consider international students? Well, this is a very exciting time because there are millions of people around the world who want a U.S. education. In fact, the United States only has 5% of the, US's pop, of the world's population. So, 
you know, 95% of the world population is outside our borders. So if you don't consider them in your marketing and your planning, you're really putting blinders on to a lot of opportunities. And there's so many people in the world that want a U.S. education, but who can't for some reason or another because they're working, uh, because they can't afford to come and live on a campus, that distance education could fill that void. That's why I think this sector is so exciting, because the number of people who would like a U.S. degree and the number who actually can come and study is, you know, there's a big disparity there. What are some of the key practices for recruiting international students into a distance education program? I'm sure there are a lot of universities and colleges and schools that have thought about it, but is it expensive? What are some of the recruiting practices that would ensure success in putting a cohort together? It is still very early, I think. A lot of schools are just getting their feet wet, and that was the impetus for my research project. I commissioned our offices in about 25 countries around the world to look specifically into distance learning in their countries. Mm -hmm. And I got the feedback from their reports and I compiled a big analysis on Mm. what the trends are around the world, what works, what doesn't work. I also contacted some small and large schools in the U.S. that are actively recruiting international students into their programs to see what their best practices are. And the, the key results that I found from that kind of in a point-by-point thing that you would want to do if you're considering this, the first thing would be to extensively research. It's fraught with a lot of risk, any international endeavor. So the more you research, the more you prepare, the better your chances are for success. After you research, you would want to test the market and not make you know millions of dollars of investments until you test your strategy, make sure that your programs or your, your method is going to work in that country. Then you want to develop your strategy for expansion and are you going to work with a local partner? Are you going to set up your own local company? Are you going to just include the students in your existing U.S. programs? How are you going to advertise? Then you also need to overcome barriers. There are definitely market access barriers in any international endeavor, whether it's local governments not accrediting distance ed programs or those types of things. And that's the benefit of having the U.S. government at your side is not only can we help you identify opportunities and partners, we can help overcome market access barriers too. And then number five, you want to make sure that your delivery is effective and streamlined so that you do things the right way for the local market. Some countries are more keen on face-to-face interaction. You might want to have a local contact who they work with. And then you also want to maintain institutional support at your school. There are countless schools that have attempted this type of thing and then it didn't work because their own school didn't have the right setup or institutional support. Interesting, yes. Um, And then finally you want to differentiate your programs. I think now is a really good time for schools to get into this because it's still early. The market is more open but as it becomes a more mature market it's going to become much more competitive too. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be always thinking of how you can differentiate your programs from others available. Those are some great suggestions and, and some best practices. You mentioned a little earlier about your research. I'd really be interested to know, what did you find in your research? Where are the top markets for distance education programs overseas? Well, it seems to vary. It, a lot of it is not as intuitive as you would think. 
what I did was I took uh, a range of indicators to rank markets based okay. on certain criteria, such as the broadband accessibility in the country, the openness to e-learning. You might think that Europe would be a great place to start, but the fact that post-secondary education is often free means that often students aren't looking beyond their local college or university for education, and they're, and they're not used to thinking of needing to pay the kinds of tuition rates that we typically charge in the U.S., so actually Europe can be trickier than some other countries. Mm -hmm. So based on the, that research, I did come up with some top 10 countries oh, um, for where there seems to be a better opportunity or market, and number one was Canada. They speak Very English. Interesting. It's easy. It's a little more similar to the U.S. It would be one of those lower risk markets. Mm -hmm. U.K. was another top one. Um, of course, English language is going to be important for people just getting into this because Absolutely. to translate all your materials and hire foreign language instructors is going to be a whole new level. So you'd probably want to start in English. Australia was another top one. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing about Canada and Australia, because of their rural, huge areas of rural terrain, people are more used to correspondence and distance education in general because, you know, many people lived far away from city centers where there may be universities and colleges, so they have a culture of distance education already. That's why I cover distance education and I'm in North Dakota, right. <laughs> because we also have a lot of rural population mm -hmm. who relies on distance education mm -hmm. in North Dakota. So another interesting country that made it toward the top of the list in the first non-English speaking country was Korea. They have the highest broadband accessibility per capita of any country in the world. They're very progressive. They're very technologically savvy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a very interesting market. I was actually there a few weeks ago. And we need to do a little more investigation about whether degrees obtained through online education are completely recognized in Korea. Okay. So we're, we're using the U.S. government to research that. Okay. That would be important. It would yeah. be. <laughs> That's great. What wonderful research and desperately needed. I know a lot of people are saying, okay, now where do I begin? Where can I get help? What type of assistance does the government, does your office offered a university, a school that wants to pursue this area of international students? Well, the commercial service is designed to help small and medium and new exporters. So you have a local office. Uh, if you go to www.export.gov, you can type in your zip code and you'll get a listing of local people who you can call and they open the door for you. So the kinds of services we provide are finding partners in overseas markets. We've had actually schools involved in distance education use our services to find potential partners that would be their local agent or setting up their local campus in the country or, or helping with regulatory issues. And that's our specialty, is, is identifying local partners who can help you. There are some minimal fees for those services. To do a partner search would cost about $550 okay. to get a list of potential candidates and then you contact them or we'll set you up on appointments. We can actually organize trade missions. Specifically, one thought I had was either with the U.S. Distance Learning Association or a group of colleges and universities who wanted to explore a country like Korea or another country, we can actually organize a customized trade mission to help each school or participant identify opportunities in that country. 
And trade missions are good because they're a high-profile way of opening doors, getting more exposure, getting more press in that local country. A lot of what we do is customized, and the best way is to call the local office. And, uh, and I'm the distance education specialist for commercial service, so people can contact me also. Excellent. What a great resource that very few people, I think, are aware of. You gave us a website for them to look at. Could you share your personal contact information if uh, someone wants, or email address, if someone wanted to get in touch with you? Sure. My number is 701-239-5080, and my email address is heather.rank, R-A-N-C-K, at mail. M-A-I-L dot D-O-C, as in Department of Commerce, dot gov. Heather, this has been extremely informative, and thank you so much. I know I've learned an awful lot, and I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. This is Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and if you would like to reach me or USDLA, you can contact us at www.usdla.org. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.